Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, I have been on the road the last few days out in West Texas, mainly in the Lubbock and La Mesa areas. And I can tell you one thing, just like we reported yesterday, we are seeing a lot of rain out here, a lot of wet fields, a lot of farmers trying to recover from all that rain. I saw a lot of sand fighters running out in the fields trying to protect those young cotton plants from the sand after these big rains. The rain is also affecting wheat harvest. Now, most of the wheat fields I've seen have been harvested, and you see those big bales of wheat straw on the sides of the fields. But a little further north from where I'm at, up in the panhandle, they're still trying to wrap things up and dealing with the fallout of all of this rain that Mother Nature has sent. We'll have more on that story coming up in a couple of minutes. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the panhandle down to the Rio Grande. Valley. Even with the abundant rainfall of late, Texas Panhandle agriculture still faces water challenges. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, I'll bring you one experienced farmer's thoughts on irrigation strategy. Designing landscapes for normal extreme weather conditions. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas. Looking at the progress made last couple of weeks, looks really good. Everything's on the positive side. The heat of summer got here quickly. Production in abundant as far as grass is concerned. Cattle are doing good. Fruit crops are really coming in and the harvest is excellent. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There is less grain in storage here in Texas this year. Jessica Domel tells why. Higher feed costs has led Texas farmers to keep less grain in storage this year. According to the Grain Stocks report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 57.4 million bushels of wheat in on and off farm storage June 1st. That's down 11% from the same time last year. There were about 10.3 million bushels of grain sorghum held off-farm in Texas June 1st. That's down about 5 million bushels from last year. Around 100,000 bushels are in on-farm storage. As for corn, June 1st, 44 million bushels were in storage. That's down 21% from last year. Again, that's likely due to higher prices. This May, farmers were receiving close to $6 a bushel for corn. Last year, it was $3.46. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farmers in West Texas and the Panhandle are trying to harvest this year's wheat crop, but Mother Nature isn't making it easy. Heavy rainfall in some areas is delaying harvest. Ockletree County Agent Scott Strawn says the rain is causing other problems too. The biggest one mainly is weeds. You start getting weeds coming up in these fields, and if there's enough of them, it just becomes a point where you can't harvest. Most of these fields are pretty clean, and if they've done their work early in the year with their herbicides and stuff, they still have a little time here. 
but weed pressure can start to be an issue. Farmers in central Texas had a lot of sprout damage to deal with this year due to excessive rain and delayed harvest. But Strawn says he's rarely seen that happen in the Texas panhandle. Even with all of the recent rainfall in the Texas panhandle in West Texas, that part of the state still faces water challenges. James Hunt brings us one experienced farmer's thoughts on irrigation strategy. Hopefully all this rain we've gotten lately is helping farmers save a good amount of groundwater, but our current fortunes aside, we all know that water remains a challenge for our region. Recently I talked about what it will take to keep irrigated agriculture viable with Billy Bob Brown, who this year entered his 49th season growing crops on the family farm near Panhandle. We're going to have to utilize as many water-saving devices as we can. Irrigation is a lifeblood to a lot of communities in the Texas Panhandle. If we were dryland farming the entire Texas Panhandle, some of these small towns we have now would be ghost towns. Brown says in his own operation, he conserves water through a combination of technology and farming practices. Does little tillage as necessary, strip till, try to make uh, just one or two passes to save moisture in the soil, and then uh, we use devices to measure the soil moisture to know when we need to irrigate and how much to put on. And with uh, drip and uh, center pivots, we can pretty well measure the amount we put on. And by continuing to adopt new ways, Brown is able to limit water use even with increased production on the farm he took over from his father. My dad used to raise about 80 to 100 acres of grain sorghum on the wells that I have on it now. But now I water 342 acres on the same amount of water. So yes, I use water, but I've increased the production that many times. Is that good? Well, it's good as far as the production is concerned. Is it good on the amount of water I use? Well, I probably use close to the same amount of water, but uh, it's more efficient use. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We have experienced several extreme weather conditions here in Texas in the first half of 2021. Tom Nicoletti tells us how extreme conditions affect our landscaping decisions here in the Lone Star State. On the line today is San Angelo horticulturist John Begno. And John, today we're going to talk about the fact uh, that people... uh, need to design their landscapes uh, to fit their region, their location, uh, maybe the the normal or at least the extreme normal conditions, uh, whether it be uh, temperatures or precipitation. And of course, uh, recently, uh, extreme hot weather covered the northwestern United States up in uh, Washington, uh, Oregon, Idaho, all the way into Canada. And then, of course, here in Texas, we had the uh, big winter freeze uh, back in February. So those are two extremes, but people should not necessarily design landscapes for those type of extremes. Those conditions don't necessarily happen very often. And that's so very true, Tom. And if you think about our cold extremes that we had in Texas this last winter, the last time we saw that was way back in 83 and 84 and again in the Rio Grande Valley in 86. And if we to design landscapes for that kind of extreme cold weather, we'd have been missing out on a lot of beauty and a lot of well-adapted plants. 
so as we redo our landscapes, a lot of pl- people are doing that across Texas now, redesigning and replanting. We don't necessarily want to go to things that are going to be winter hardy to zero degrees. But one thing we will consider, and we will always likely to consider in Texas, is water. Whether you are in a zone that typically has too much water in East Texas or in Central or West Texas that goes through extended dry periods, those are things we truly do design landscapes for and choose plants that are adapted to those conditions. But when we design our landscapes, we know that we're going to get those conditions of extreme dry weather, maybe extended or periods of high temperature on top of that. And it's so different between shade and sun in Texas. They do measure temperature in shade, but when plants are out exposed in the sun and they're under dry conditions as low humidity and high temperatures, those leaf surfaces can be in excess of 120 degrees. And so we're going to design our landscapes, and now we're thinking about designing our landscapes because we do that typically in the fall of the year is our best planting season for perennial plants. We're going to design plants that will take full sun during dry times and that can take shade during dry times. And whether it's the method of irrigation that we use, the frequency of irrigation, or the kinds of plants that can handle dry conditions, that's all the factors that we're considering. That is horticulturist John Begno with us from San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Attitudes are very positive in East Texas agriculture right now. James Duncan has this report from Marshall. We wrapped up June. We're happy for that. July is here. Activities are running full blast. The weather, it's still there. We're still talking about it. Now it's hot and it's dry. We do need a little moisture in those areas where the hay's been cut, and we've had an excellent harvest in this first go-round, even though it was delayed greatly. Now, the quality of the hay is just going to be really bad. There's going to need to be a lot of testing going on to get uh, the quality up there to feed the cattle in the wintertime. We are thankful for the air-conditioned cab tractors that we have nowadays to operate this in, and uh, this makes that dust off those old rolls sell a little bit better. The fruit crop, the peaches, and the blackberries and the blueberries are just plentiful and excellent deals being made on these crops right now. Sweet potato slips in the ground, and the fish are biting, so I mean it's time to go fishing. Cattle markets in East Texas are low, and I'm sure that's where it is everywhere that we turn right now. There is some herd rebuilding going on in the cattle industry because the cattlemen are forever optimistic about the future. Watermelons come in just in time for this weekend, and we're just real proud of that here in East Texas because we love our East Texas watermelon. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. The Growing Climate Solutions Act was passed by the Senate recently and now heads to the House of Representatives. Chad Smith has more from Washington. A bipartisan climate bill supported by several food and agriculture groups is making its way through Congress. Andrew Walmsley, director of Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau, says the Growing Climate Solutions Act is a remarkable bill. When you look at it from a bipartisan standpoint, we have over 50 members of the Senate, that's over half the Senate, in support of S-1251, the Growing Climate Solutions Act. And what the bill does is really try to remove some technical barriers and provide 
provide transparency and information to farmers who are interested in participating in voluntary climate market. There's so much information out there, some misinformation, and what the Growing Climate Solution Act attempts to do is to cut through that and provide certification and information to farmers through USDA. Walmsley says the bill should move quickly. So the Senate just passed the Growing Climate Solutions Act of 2020. It's a strong bipartisan vote. This bill now heads to the House of Representatives, where hopefully action will be taken. There's also a companion bill, also known as the Growing Climate Solutions Act. So hopefully the House can move quickly now that the Senate's passed it, and soon it'll hopefully be off to the president's desk. He says the bill has a lot of widespread support from interested stakeholder groups and organizations. Well, with over half the Senate as co-sponsors, you would expect widespread support from the larger stakeholder community. Farm Bureau supports this bill, but you've got groups like World Wildlife Fund, Nature Conservancy, a lot of the environmental groups, other ag commodity groups. So huge bipartisan support on a common sense bill, which is very uncommon in Washington, that would help farmers and ranchers navigate these emerging voluntary climate markets. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. USDA is hoping to help landowners restore wetlands to benefit wildlife. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details on Texas Ag today. And the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course is a great educational opportunity for Texas cattlemen. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We are fortunate to have one of the largest beef cattle educational events in the nation right here in Texas. The Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course is a great educational opportunity for Texas cattlemen. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at the course. And this short course is the largest beef cattle educational event in the United States. And if you have beef cattle and have never attended this course, you really need to do so. The three-day event in College Station will include more than 20 sessions covering basic practices, new technologies, and current topics. There will be six live demonstrations and a trade show with 140 exhibitors. Julie Tomasic with Texas Farm Bureau indicates in the Texas Agriculture publication that more than 2,000 ranchers, beef industry representatives, and exhibitors are expected to attend the event, and a virtual option will also be available. Educational sessions will include just about all aspects of the beef cattle industry, including forage and beef cattle management, health, nutrition, reproduction, record-keeping, genetics, purebred cattle, and more. Dr. Jason Clear from AgriLife Extension indicates included is the traditional Texas Aggie prime rib dinner, and all live demonstrations are available for all participants to see. Demonstrations including live cattle handling, shoot side calf working, brush management, tractor safety, and beef carcass value determination. 
Dr. Clear indicated the goal of the conference is to help producers be more efficient in their operation as expenses are increasing dramatically, so they need to focus on where to invest and where to cut expenses. The fee is $210 in person and $160 online, but the prices increase after July 27th. Also, Texas Farm Bureau members will receive a $20 discount on the registration fee. So remember that if you are a Texas Farm Bureau member, when you register at beefcattleshortcourse.com. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is hoping to help landowners restore wetlands to benefit wildlife. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture plans to invest up to $17 million to restore wetlands on agricultural lands across the United States. The grants to governmental entities, tribes, and non-government organizations are being made through the Natural Resources Conservation Service's Wetland Reserve Enhancement Program. NRCS Chief Terry Crosby said the goal is to support farmers and ranchers in their efforts to conserve natural resources on their land. He said WREP helps partners and producers work together to protect wetland ecosystems on working lands. Carrie Lindig, NRCS Easement Program's Division Director, said this could help landowners who have areas that are kind of wet on their property. A lot of farmers have those pieces of their property that can be really wet in certain years, or maybe tile lines were put underneath to help drain the fields at one time. So they were wetlands at some point in history. She said there are many benefits to wetland restoration. It improves the water quality. It's great wildlife habitat. There's tremendous benefits to wetlands themselves. Lindig says a wetland easement does not mean the government is taking over private property. When you have a wetland easement, the wetland is restored. And as the landowner, you can still enjoy the property. You can still hunt and fish on the property. The funding for these proposals would be for fiscal year 2022, which begins October 1st. Interested parties are encouraged to contact their NRCS state office for more. Details are available on the USDA NRCS website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, we had a holiday-shortened trading week with all the markets closed on Monday for Independence Day. So how did the markets kick off the week on Tuesday? Jessica comes back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Sharp declines in corn prices pushed cattle futures higher on Tuesday. Live cattle for August up 40 cents to 122.40. Live cattle for October up 7 cents to 128.15. Live cattle for December down 22 cents to 132.55. 
Feeder cattle for August up $3.57 to $160.62. Feeder cattle for October up $3.17 to $164.65. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's go down to Caldwell, talk to Carl Herman. Carl, how was your sale this week? We had a good sale yesterday, Larry. had 550 uh, uh, head for 100 consigners and 42 buyers on a steady cow and calf market. Uh, we had 130 cows and bulls. Slaughter cows brought 40 to 77. Slaughter bulls, 65 to 93. Stockard cows, 875 to 1100. And the pairs, 850 to 1550. Uh, on, the, on the calves, on the steers, two to three weights, 152 to 180. Three to four weights, 157 to 180. Four to five weight steers brought 159 to 173. Five to six weights, 146 to 167. The six to seven weight steers, 133 to 146. And the seven to eight weights, 124 to 135. On the heifer side, two to three weight heifers, 150 to 167. The three to four weights brought 146 to $2. Four to five weights, 138 to 180. Five to six weights, 133 to 146. Six to seven weight heifers, 123 to 141. And the seven to eight weights, 120 to 130. So overall, we had a good day. He had a lot of good cattle, and uh, uh, look forward to next week. Good deal. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn at 567-4119. Or if you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Evner at 540-8676. We appreciate you. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host today. Cotton traded higher Tuesday on weather concerns as Tropical Storm Elsa is nearing the eastern coast of the United States. Traders believe that Elsa will likely impact cotton there in Georgia and in the Carolinas. Cotton for October up 35 points to 87.86. Cotton for December up 43 points to 87.40. Weekend rains across much of the Corn Belts and the approaching corn harvest right here in Texas impacted corn futures on Tuesday. Corn for July down 41 and a quarter to 656. Corn for September down 40 to 5.52. Corn for December down 40 to 5.39 and three quarters. Hard red wheat fell along with corn on Tuesday. Hard red wheat for September down 35 and a half to 5.83 and three quarters. The Dow down 232 points to 34,553. The S&P 500 down 12 points to 4,340. The Nasdaq was up 16 points Tuesday to 14,655. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.